Therefore remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called circumcision made in the flesh by hands that at the time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world. Thank God this is no longer our portion. But now, <clears throat> in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is in the law of commandments, in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from two, thus making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God. Who's he talking about? talking about the Jews and the Gentiles. <clears throat> and he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. There was enmity between us and God because of sin. What is enmity? Disagreement. I'm putting it mildly. And he came and preached peace to those of you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now therefore, you are no longer strangers, <coughs> excuse me, and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Look at your neighbour and say, do you understand you are a member of the household of God? Come on. Now, say to you, the other neighbour, I want you to live as a member of the household of God. Come on, come on. The Bible says we are of the household of God. Don't you ever allow the devil to say to you, they don't need you. God doesn't need you. You're just an oxygen thief and a total liability to mankind. That is a lie from the pit of hell and don't you ever believe that because I've just read to you now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets Jesus Christ himself 
being the chief cornerstone. I don't have time to go into the construction of cornerstones, but it basically is an anchor in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. That is you and I. God doesn't live in temples made with hands. He lives within us. And if we really believe that, there's some places we simply wouldn't take him. Think about that. If we really believed the Holy Ghost lived and God lived within us, then we wouldn't take him to some places. We probably wouldn't have half the arguments because we know he's listening and he's partaking of that argument which he doesn't want to be part of. Hello. In whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Your salvation is a process. Don't despise where you are now. Don't despise the days of small beginning. Don't despise the fact that you say, well, I've been serving the Lord for such and such a period. Well, praise the Lord. I'm glad you're thinking like that because I think the Lord will give you the answer today. But what I want you and I to see this morning is in whom you are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Think about that. The Bible says in John that God and the Son want to come and dwell in us. And try and reason this in the natural. God's a spirit. He can get inside your body and he's everywhere else as well because he's omnipresent. Amen. Amen. So as the return of Jesus approaches, the spirit of Antichrist is becoming more brazen in attempting to deceive mankind of his full salvation. When I was growing up in South Africa, you didn't go out on a Sunday without shoes on. He was frowned upon. Anybody gray like me remember those days? It was frowned upon. Now some people still walked around without shoes, but it was frowned upon, particularly in the Platteland. Now, sadly, that was religion, but there was a kind of reverence. Can you see? But now the spirit of Antichrist, which John says began when he wrote that book, he says, for even now the spirit of Antichrist is in the earth. But we do know we're in the end times. And so I'm not an end time preacher. I'm a preacher of the coming of God and a victorious living preacher. Amen. I'm not looking to exit. I'd love to, but it's more needful for me to be here. 
and judging on the vision that God gives me, I'm not going home anytime soon. Amen. Now that some of you are glad about that, some of you are mad, and some of you are just sad. You thought I was going to leave. No, no. I'm still here. Hallelujah. So let's thank God this morning for the shed blood of Jesus. I really want you to understand it. Without the shedding of the blood of Christ, we would be aliens. We would be non, an alien is a non-participant person. Somebody who can't participate in the commonwealth of Israel. Now, if you were listening as we read through, but I will unpack it here this morning, um, of the covenants of promise. There are multiple covenants. Those covenants cannot be annulled by any government in the earth. Those governments, those covenants cannot be annulled by any human being, any spirit being, because they were instituted by God Himself. And the Bible tells us, because He could swear by no other, He swore by Himself, because His Word never changes, never changes. Don't look at it legalistically. Look at it as a fountain of life. So in the midst of a world of chaos, I'm sure some of you have seen what's going on in the Middle East. They can take some out, but that nation is called of God It doesn't matter what they say. In fact, if you read the promise to Abraham, the Lord said to him, I have given you the land from the river of Egypt to the great Euphrates. But because of disobedience, they gave it away. How much have you given away because of disobedience? Hello, family. Come on, how much have we not allowed God to do because we didn't think we were worthy? We remembered a sin of five weeks ago that should have been under the blood, but we never repented because we thought it was so beyond the blood that not even the blood could wash it away. You see, that's how stupid we become. Are you with me? This is the blood of God. He knew man didn't have the ability to serve him. It was proven in the Garden of of Eden, I nearly said Israel. But I want you to see if the blood hadn't come, we wouldn't have been afforded the citizenship. Now, something that happens with citizenship is you have access. You have freedom. I go to America often. There's a lot of people that get lost there and they're being looked for. That's not freedom. Do you know what I mean, getting lost? They've gone in illegally. So they will never get citizenship. 
they will never get the benefits of that country. You are a citizen of heaven. Now God is the God of the nations. He put nations in place. But there's a higher citizenship than being a South African or being whatever citizen you may be. And that's the citizenship of God in heaven. And with it is freedoms. And it's important that we understand this because in the covenants of promise, there's freedom. So I don't have time because of time today. I don't have time to go back into um, Genesis 12 and that where God begins to speak to Abraham. And then he says to Abraham, you will become this blessing and then this blessing will go to all the families of the earth. So very often as believers, we're not aware of covenants, but it's extremely important. A covenant is like a contract. And the covenant wasn't made by man. It was made by God. So when you decided, because you didn't actually decide, you were called by God, but when He called you and you decided to respond to the unction of accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour, you immediately go under the covenant of Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant, immediately. It's not something that you have to learn. It's a contract that was set in the earth by God. You can read about it in Genesis 15. I think it goes from verse 8 to, to 21 where, where um, Abraham offers the, God tells him what to offer. Actually tells him which animals he wants put out as part of the covenant. Hello. You need to realise how God is so meticulous that He will tell you exactly what will be to your benefit. And He will also tell you what you shouldn't do by the Holy Ghost, which will be detrimental to you. And so don't ever see God as a restrictive being that's taking, He's a killjoy. He's not. He's not a killjoy. In fact, He's the opposite. He brings the joy. Amen. Amen. Come on, family. It's so important that we understand. But all this comes through Christ. So that contract, that covenant is an assurance of the increase of God's goodness in 2023. You, but you don't know what happened to me. Well, claim it back from the devil seven times. Don't you know your Bible? Turn on the devil. That's what you're supposed to do. The sword of the Spirit, which is God's Word, is offensive. It's not to be stayed in the sheath. So you look good. Learn to handle it. Learn to be a warrior. Not W-O-R-R-Y, the other one. Okay? Because that's what we're supposed to do. Christ went to the cross for this to give us an assurance. And so if you don't think about these things, then you accept 
mediocrity. You accept lack. Whether it's your health, whether it's your, ah, well, this is just this old bag that I'm married to. And you never tell her that because she'll hit you with a pan probably. But you understand. And you know, that's, that can sound, I, I'm not even joking. I remember in the world when they used to say, oh, well, the sleeping bag's not coming with me today. No wonder things weren't good. Come on. Terrible, huh? So God initiated this covenant with you. And that's what I want you to get this morning. I want you to understand that He wants this covenant to work in you. Christ paid a great price. There should be no lack spiritually, mentally, physically, socially, financially. There should be no lack. How many of you know, if you're watching what's happening in Transnet, the country, the vehicle that's supposed to move our goods, it's an absolute disaster. So what do we do? We enforce righteousness. Hello? We believe God. We continue to believe God. It doesn't matter how things look. Don't sit passively. Enforce your covenant. Come on, family. Christ is the cornerstone, not your brain, not your education, not your job, not your business, not your family heritage. Christ. First and foremost. If he is first and foremost, that's why he said, seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom and all God's righteousness. And then all these things shall be added to you. So God, through the covenant, and when you realize that Christ is the cornerstone of your life, something's going to happen. There's going to come a separation that's what we don't like. There's a separation that comes. You know that word sanctification? It's separation. It's to move us away. But I want you to hear something. Away from the world and the way the world does things. But I'm going to sound when I minister this almost as though I'm being contradictory. You understand if you're not happy with your life, change it. How do I change it? Romans 12, 2 says, and do not be conformed to the world, separation, but be transformed, renewed, by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove, not God, you may prove, what is his good, acceptable, and perfect will. He is so gracious, there's three wills we can live in. That's how gracious he is. That's how loving he is toward us. Isn't that amazing? He doesn't tell us, well, if you're not perfect, you're fired. 
doesn't do that. He's gracious with us. He's loving towards us. And He takes us through life, teaching us. But we are to live a separated life. Why does He look for separation? Because when you and I were in the world, we had a spirit of disobedience. This flesh, if you let it go, you don't want to see what it'll do. Its nature is disobedient. It always goes to the lowest level. And you say, well, I know some really decent people. Just remember, pride is a very low level. (laughs) I don't know if you're getting this. It doesn't matter how you dress. It doesn't matter where you live. It matters what's going on in your heart. Amen. Amen. So, what's God calling? Why does He want separation? He simply wants separation, very simply, because He wants obedience. So, what I want to show you this morning, it's so simple. You can't do disobedience and obedience. Now, of course, I'm not being ridiculous. I understand that you can repent and then get back into obedience. But what you need to understand this morning, if it will help you stay away from people that are disobedient, love them, pray for them, but don't hang with them. Why would you hang with people that don't bring results? You can still pray for them. You can still love them. You know, when I was being trained as a manager, they used to say, keep your committee small. Do you know why? When you formed a committee for something. Because the committee always runs to the lowest level. So in other words, the most lethargic member of the committee is where the rest of the people go to to help that person. And that's why committees never get anything done. That's what I've even seen, okay? So I'm just giving you that. So in Galatians 3.17, God initiates the covenant, well, He initiates in Genesis, but then in Galatians 3.17, Paul talks about it again. And he says that 430 years before the Lord brought the law, He already had initiated a covenant of faith. So don't ever take God's covenant and try and do religious ritual on it because it's all about faith. If you're going to walk with Christ, if He's going to truly be the cornerstone of your life, then you're going to have to walk by faith in Him. And what does that look like? It looks like complete reliance upon Him. That's what it looks like. Complete reliance reliance upon Him. So when faith comes, it separates. From what? Doubt and unbelief, which is essentially disobedience. Ouch. The next time you get into doubt and unbelief, you're in disobedience. Because Jesus said, believe. Do you know He said that? Believe. 
He said, whatever you pray for, if you believe, it will be given to you. Not how you come to the throne. Not the eloquence of your vernacular. He actually rebuked that. Can you see, family? It's just Christ is the cornerstone of everything we do. And when He's lifted up, He lifts us up. And He's the way I get to know the Father more. That's how I get to know the Father because He talks about the Father a lot through the Word of God. So, let me just, I'm coming to an end. Faith in God separates us. Faith in God gives momentum to a life of obedience. Mark eleven twenty two. have faith in God. So, the simplicity is that God's Word will mobilise you. If things are not working, you're not working the Word. You may be talking the Word, but you're not working it. Some of you would remember many years ago, God said to me, work the Word until the Word works you. I spend probably more time reading the Word and meditating on the Word than doing anything. Out of the Word comes the vision of my life. I don't look for vision, I look for God. Are you with me? When I pursue God, vision pursues me. That's simple. That's as simple, simple as it is. Amen. Now, separation in Christ is confronting. Think about that. So let me close here. So separation in Christ is confronting. But this is what I want you to hear. It's not at the exclusion of society. God is not asking you to become a monk or a nun. It's not at the exclusion of society. Christ never, other than to spend time with God, was never away from people. So yes, I understand when you're going to do your quiet time with the Lord, then obviously you're going to be away from people. But the separation that God's talking about is that you can be in society. But you're in Christ. And that's what brings the separation in the conversation, in whatever takes place during that time with other people, whether it's in a work environment, 
whether it's in a health environment, whether it's in a marriage, but you don't change because you demonstrate love and obedience towards Christ in the midst of the society that you find yourself with. So when we say separation, God's looking for, that's your time. When you're going to do the beach thing, He says, do the thing with me. Nothing wrong with going to the beach. You understand what I'm saying. But you understand the separation is unto Him, not people. Now in that separation to Him, you'll find friends will stop being your friends. Because what communion has light with darkness. They give you up, you don't give them up. But the devil tells you you have no friends. You'll have more friends than you know what to do with. Hello? Hello? You'll have friends that appreciate the life of Christ that you carry because every time they're around you, something positive happens to their lives. You're not a liability. You're not an oxygen thief. You're a blower of oxygen. Amen. Come on, family. That's why Christ is our cornerstone. So Christ is a way of life, not culture, not tradition. And when I go to America, I've, the food's very different. My tradition kicks in big time. Because we have good food, yeah. And I wasn't raised on that food, so I don't understand it always. I don't understand eating eggs for lunch. In the week, yes, in the week, but I mean on Sunday. There's no roast. There's no roast. You can't buy one. It's brunch. Eggs, meat. Nothing wrong, they're used to it. I'm not used to it. So that's one tradition. But because I've got to follow Christ, I've got to eat eggs. Do you understand? I've got to do stuff I don't want to do. Amen. And just go hungry, just fast. <laughs> but what you need to see here is Christ is our way of life. And as you go through the week, just remember Jesus all the time, in every decision, in every way. I know you hear this and you hear it and you hear it, but you need to hear it until it completely possesses you. And you don't do life without Jesus. Because a life in Jesus confirms a standard of excellence in everything we do. Are you with me? Are you with me? You know, my wife and I were talking, you know, when we see the thing of Israel. Now, these things have to come to pass. I'm not saying specifically that war, but the, there is an unfolding that has to happen. And we were talking about it this week, and I actually have just read it to you, and that maybe the Lord will let us go and unpack that in the weeks to come. But that we fight in Christ to stay in peace. We don't fight with the world. We fight against unbelief. 
Are you with me? Our battle's not flesh and blood. It's not people. People are misguided. But it's not people. You with me? So it's extremely important that our way of life allows us a standard of excellence so that we always enjoy, we can walk into the presence of the Father any time of the day, any time of the night and just be assured, you got me, God. And it's not a place of weakness. It's a place, listen to me, of overcoming power that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about being bashed around. I'm talking about bashing around. Are you with me? Are you those that have been stolen from? You need a claim from the devil. If you don't know where it is, ask for the scripture where the Bible says, 6.30, Proverbs 6.30, that he will have to repay sevenfold. Use your faith to get that victory. How long will it take? Well, he's not gonna go away till Jesus comes. So you're gonna have to use it all the time. But push back. Stop allowing things. Push back. You were called to be an army of God. You were not called. Don't think love is kissy, kissy, huggy, huggy. That's not love. Love is the ability to stand in courage for what is right. Come on, family. Husbands, when the, when the thief comes to the door, you don't send your wife, you go. I don't know who that man is, but he's been addressed now. <laughs> Revelation twenty two thirteen, and I close. I am Jesus speaking. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Think about this. Beginning and end, the first and the last. Every situation in your life, He is the Alpha, He is the Finisher. He is the Alpha, He is the Finisher. He's the beginning, He's the end. He's not asking you to do anything but believe. He's done it. Now, obviously, you can't sit like a big toad and do nothing. I mean, obviously, He's going to prompt you to go and do some things in obedience to what He knows is going to. But that gives Him, that releases His power to begin to work on your behalf. Remember, whatever your situation this morning, Christ is the cornerstone. He is the one who reinforces the walls of your life. Christ does. That's what the Bible says. You are part of the family of God. You are not an orphan. If you're an orphan, you've chosen that. God didn't choose it for you. Because He said you are not an orphan. In other words, you have a whole family this family? Listen, even in a natural family, you don't like all the cousins and nephews, but you've got to love them anyway, right? And uncles and aunts, oh, don't, don't get holy on me. None of you answered. 
Come on. It's important. Understand the household of God. God is the Father. And if you think of it in a natural way, the way the man is to stand for his household, so God stands for his household. And no devil in hell can touch the household. Are you with me? He can try. But once the household stands up, he's done. God bless you.